Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Ropp, and I'm your host. Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. Our episodes now are going along with a book I'm writing on this topic of the simple explanation of Gnosticism. And so, continuing on, we're in the chapter called The Sun. If you haven't heard last week's episode, you might want to go back one episode and catch up to where we are today. This is part two of the chapter called the sun. The purpose of Gnostic insights is to help us all remember the gnosis that we were born with. I'm not trying to teach you material. I'm trying to help you remember where we all come from. It's a different phenomenon than teaching it to you. These aren't things you need to memorize. They're only things you need to understand. All else flows out of the gnosis, which is knowledge of where we come from and who or what is the originating consciousness, as well as the nature of our relationship to that originating consciousness. So far, we have looked at the Father, which is what we call the originating consciousness, and the Son, which is that consciousness made into a particular entity that we call the Son. The sun is not the generalized, diffuse, no-thought consciousness of the Father, but rather like a bucket dipped into the ocean, with the Father being the ocean. The sun is the essence of the Father, now contained within the bucket. So it is exactly the same as the Father, but now it is a particularity. It is a singularity, or a monad. As soon as the sun was formed, it immediately created more entities from its own self in the same fashion that the sun came out of the father. The distinct characteristics within the sun are variously referred to as the totalities, the all, and the fullness of God. The all emerged from the sun and it was said that this wasn't like a casting off in the manner of a fungus casting off spores which then grow into their own little fungi. This was more of a spreading out of the sun and, by extension, the Father through the sun. The totalities of the all remain completely within and inhabiting the sun. In my description of the fullness, I picture rays of a star, with each of the rays being part of the all, and each one of them expressing a slightly different characteristic of the sun out of which they spread forth. My imagery for the sun is like a diffuse cloud sitting in this great inky blackness, which is the Father, 
and out of this cloud comes a starburst, with each one of the rays of the star being one of the totalities. At first the all was identical to the sun, and all of these parts of the sun formed a unified totality. As soon as the all came to know itself and to recognize its own individual consciousness, then each one of the rays became its own singularity. And once they did that, the totalities immediately recognized a self-identity and formed themselves in what is called the fullness of God, also known as the Pleroma. Pleroma simply means everything that's possible. All possible expressions of consciousness can be found in the fullness of God. These eons of the fullness of God quickly sorted themselves into what is called a hierarchy, which is like a pyramidal type of stack, with many more units located down at the bottom of the stack, and fewer and fewer units as you go higher and higher. In my illustrations, I illustrate the hierarchy of the fullness of God like a, a golden stack of cannonballs with more cannonballs down at the bottom of the pyramid and fewer and fewer cannonballs as you go up until finally there's a pinnacle at the very top of the pyramid. And to me, they just look like golden glowing spheres all neatly stacked. There is a principle in Gnosticism that I call the higher the fewer. Using that principle, the awakened eons of the fullness of God sorted themselves into positions, places, powers, ranks, stations, and names, all of which indicate that they each had their own individual point of view and they each had their own place and duty within the hierarchy of heaven. Last week's episode was supposed to be about the sun, but we've hardly heard anything about the Son himself. We hear about the Father being indescribable, and we hear about the infinite number of spirits of the Church that form the body of the Son, but we really haven't heard much in the way of descriptions of the Son itself. This is because the only way that the Son can be described is through the eons, which is to say, through the fractals that come out of the Son. As we trace the path of emanations flowing out of the inconceivable Father and then through the barely conceivable Son, we become more and more concrete in our ability to understand the nature of God. It is when we begin to enter the realm of the eons that we can begin to recognize the panoply of properties of the Father and Son. The Tripartite Tractate says, quote, They were forever in thought, for the Father was like a thought and a place for them. When their generations had been established, the one who is in control wished to lay hold of and to bring forth that which was deficient in the, and then there's some missing text, and he brought forth those within him. But since he is as he is, he is a spring which is not diminished by the water which abundantly flows from it. End quote. Generations, 
as the tripartite tractate uses the word, means to create, to generate. Here it is saying that when the sun was formed, all of the totalities that make up the body of the sun were formed along with him, and their formation, or generation, did not lessen the sun or subtract anything away from the sun's essence. The word deficient, as used here, simply means not yet manifest. Deficient can't indicate any shortcomings or inadequacy because the Son is a complete embodiment of the Father, and His totalities are a fullness. The missing word indicated here probably refers to the structure of the eternal heavens, not the universe because the material universe occurs further on down the line. So that passage likely reads, When their generations had been established, the one who is in control wished to lay hold of and to bring forth which was deficient in the heavenly plan, and he brought forth those within him. End quote. The tripartite tractate says of these totalities, quote, While they were in the Father's thought, that is, in the hidden depth, the depth knew them, but they were unable to know the depth in which they were. Nor was it possible for them to know themselves, nor for them to know anything else. That is, they were with the Father, and they did not exist for themselves. Rather, they only had existence in the matter of a seed, so that it has been discovered that they were like a fetus. And so now we have these potential entities existing like a seed, living within the Father, existing as thoughts of the Father. They don't know themselves. They're not yet awake. They don't know themselves and they don't know where they are. They don't even realize that they comprise the body of the Son. In that sense, they are like a fetus that is still inside the womb, still sleeping. The tripartite tractate carries on to say that, quote, The one who first thought of them, the Father, not only so that they might exist for him, but also that they might exist for themselves as well, that they might then exist in his thought as mental substance, and that they might exist for themselves, too. He sowed a thought like a spermatic seed, end quote. So, in other words, the Father wants them to wake up. The Father is spreading consciousness, awakened consciousness, throughout the entire body of the Son. He doesn't want them only to be unthinking constituents of the Son, making up the overall body of the Son. The Father wants them all to have their own existence and their own realizations, their own consciousness their own self. The tripartite tractate describes them, quote, like seeds in need of gaining nourishment and growth, end quote. So the fractals of the all were asleep, and the Father wished to grant that they might come into being as faultless ones. The tripartite says that the first step in bringing awareness to the totalities was to give them, quote, 
the perfect idea of beneficence toward them, end quote. Meaning that even though they didn't yet know themselves, what they did know was that they were loved. That is all they knew, that they had a benefactor. Somebody cared for them and wanted only good for them. They awoke to self-realization because someone loved them. This beneficence was their first knowledge. Now, the tripartite tractate goes on to say that, quote, The one whom he raised up as a light for those who came from himself, the one from whom they take their name, he is the Son, who is full, complete, and faultless. He brought them forth mingled with what came forth from him. End quote. This again confirms that the totalities coexist with the Son, although they are not yet fully awakened. Quote, As for the parts in which he exists in his own manner and form and greatness, it is possible for them to see him and to speak about that which they know of him, since they wear him while he wears them, because it is possible for them to comprehend him. End quote. And remember that in last week's episode, I used the analogy that the totalities are to the sun, as the cells that make up our bodies are to us. We wear them like a garment over ourself, and they wear our eternal self over their little cells. We go everywhere our cells go, and they go everywhere that we go. Quote, He, however, is as he is incomparable. In order that the Father might receive honor from each one and reveal himself, even in his ineffability, hidden and invisible, they marvel at him mentally. Therefore, the greatness of his loftiness consists in the fact that they speak about him and see him. He becomes manifest so that he may be hymned because of the abundance of his sweetness. And this word hymned, H-Y-M-N-E-D, that is singing. And just as the admirations of the silences are eternal generations and they are mental offspring, so too the dispositions of the word are spiritual emanations. Both of them, admirations and dispositions, since they belong to a word, are seeds and thoughts of his offspring, and roots which live forever, appearing to be offspring which have come forth from themselves, being minds and spiritual offspring to the glory of the Father. End quote. This passage is saying, that the manner by which the totalities become awakened is through the process of praising the Father, of singing about the Father's sweetness to them. In other words, they come to selfhood by giving glory to the Father. The admirations of the silences, which is to say the glory given by the totalities, dispose them to their individuality. Quote, appearing to be offspring which have come forth by themselves, end quote. The passage also says that the totalities are the son's seeds and thoughts, and that they will live forever. 
This affirms that the sun also lives forever. The tripartite then confirms the heavenly plan we filled in earlier as the missing words, saying, quote, But on the pattern by which he was existing, so are those which have come forth from him, begetting everything which they desire. Perhaps this is a good place to begin talking about fractals. Fractals are a mathematical term for objects that are self-similar and replicate at larger and smaller scales. Every now and then I talk about fractals, and if you don't know what a fractal is, I'd like to explain that to you now. Fractals are not discussed in the Nag Hammadi or in the Qumran manuscripts, yet fractals are all around us all of the time. Our consciousness, like that of the eons and the totalities, is a fractal expression of the fullness of God. Fractals are now recognized as a basic principle of mathematics and this manifested universe. But unless this concept of fractals is pointed out to you, you may never even notice it, because fractals weren't recognized or formulated until the 1970s. It was then that a mathematician named Benoit Mandelbrot coined the term fractal in the very first published paper on fractal geometry. I talk about fractals a lot on my blog, A Simple Explanation of Absolutely Everything. You can find the fullest explanation of fractals in the article that I wrote and published on the blog on January 6th of 2011 called the Fractal Roots of Consciousness. So, if you'd like to study more about fractals and see imagery of what fractals look like, you may go to https colon slash slash asimpleexplanation.blogspot.com and look up that article in the topical index over there on the right-hand side of the page. It may not work just to do a Google search for the fractal roots of consciousness because of the shadow banning that my blog regularly suffers from. But I am going to explain it right now for you as far as our immediate purposes go. First off, let's look at some fractals that you are undoubtedly familiar with, although you may never have thought of them in these mathematical terms. Think of the branching structure of a river delta where it flows into the sea. You have a river, and then it branches. And then each one of those branches branches again. And each one of those branches branches. And they send out more and more branching structures. You can see them on Google Earth all over the world. Each one of those branches of the river are called fractals. Using the same branching structure, Roots of a plant send out finer and finer tendrils at each level of fractal branching into the soil. You start out with the one stem of the plant, but then the stem branches out and branches out with finer and finer tendrils as it moves through the soil searching for nutrients and water. Another good way to see fractals is to take a stalk of broccoli and perform a simple experiment as I demonstrated on my YouTube channel. If you go to SIDROP, that is C-Y-D-R-O-P, 
PP to my Sidrop YouTube channel and look for simple explanation videos, you'll find one that's called Broccoli Fractal Demonstration. Here's how it works. You start with a big stalk of broccoli, a nice big head of broccoli fresh from the garden or the market. Now you've probably noticed before that if you pull off one of the larger clumps off of that stalk, it looks just like a smaller version of the first stalk you were holding. And then you can take another clump off of that smaller stalk and it looks just like one of those two larger stalks, only smaller. And you can keep breaking off smaller and smaller fractals of broccoli at least seven times, always resulting in a smaller stalk of broccoli that looks just like the other bigger stalks. Each one of those smaller pieces of broccoli are what is called a fractal iteration. This broccoli experiment is a fun little demonstration that you can do for yourself of what a fractal is. I suggest that the consciousness of God is distributed in fractals, the same way that the broccoli stalk or the river delta or the tree roots are fractals. So we can imagine that the root of consciousness, the father, is like the mother plant. The son is that first bunch taken off of the mother plant of the father, that first broccoli stalk, if you will. The totalities of the all make up the pleroma of that first bunch of the sun. When the all becomes self-aware, it recognizes itself in all of its variables and potential as the entire blueprint of our universe, because it is, after all, the mind of God. Each one of those eons of the fullness is a fractal, and each one of them replicates on a smaller scale the original son, who himself is also a fractal iteration of the original consciousness of the father. Now, one thing about consciousness fractals, or units of consciousness, as I call them in my simple explanation theory, is that the father is consciousness itself. And off of that initial consciousness come fractals that are each a unit of consciousness. So the universal unit of consciousness is the largest fractal that we are aware of in our universe. And it holds all of the blueprints and all of the potentialities of our entire universe as thought arising out of the originating father's consciousness. And each one of the fractal iterations that come off of that universal unit of consciousness also holds the potentiality of the Father, as expressed by the Son. These fractal potentialities are first expressed as the combination of traits called the Pleroma of God, also known as the fullness of God. When the fullness sits in its unified perfection, all of the traits of the sun are on full display. We will talk more later about how these fractal units of consciousness play out in our own personal lives when we begin to cover Gnostic psychology, but that's later on. For now, just to review what I've just said, 
The Father is the originating consciousness. The first fractal of the Father is the Son. The Son quickly became a Father itself by branching out into the totalities of the All, and as soon as those differentiations of the All arose, the totalities of the All become aware of their own selves, and they sorted themselves into the pyramidal hierarchical shape that is called the fullness of God, or the pleroma. Each one of these glowing golden cannonballs, as I described them in previous podcast, each one of those is a full fractal of the Son of God, but it only expresses its place, position, rank, function, and point of view. In a similar way, our DNA expresses our physical bodies, yet Our DNA carries a tremendous amount of unexpressed information that apparently goes far beyond our body. This extra 95% of our DNA is a mystery to geneticists who call it junk DNA. We can think of the junk DNA as the full pleroma of our physical selves not expressed in this lifetime. So each of the totalities, once they've become these little cannonball shapes stacked into their pyramidal hierarchy, are known as eons, A-E-O-N-S. And each eon is a fractal of the fullness of God. But each eon only expresses its job, its point of view, its position, place, and power, and name. And now perhaps we can grasp the following passage from the Tripartite Tractate more clearly by incorporating our understanding of fractals. Quote, There is no need for voice and spirit, mind and word, because there is no need to work at that which they desire to do, but on the pattern by which he was existing, so are those which you have come forth from him, begetting everything which they desire. And the one whom they conceive of, and whom they speak about, and the one toward whom they move, and the one in whom they are, and the one whom they him, thereby glorifying him, he has sons. For this is their procreative power, like those from whom they have come, according to their mutual assistance, since they assist one another, like the unbegotten ones." They assist one another, working together. And this brings us back to the simple golden rule from a simple explanation of absolutely everything, which we will cover in depth later in this series. For now, this is what the simple golden rule says. Units of consciousness work together with their neighbors to hold hands and help one another with knowledge with physical assistance, and with love, to build the next level up, to build something they can't make on their own. They will make it together with those with whom they are working. The simple golden rule is a fractal principle that runs our universe. Holding hands in cooperation, being useful, giving, loving. This is the baseline of the golden rule, And it works for everything. As above, so below. And it began up here 
before creation, within this entity known as the preexistent church, which is the body of the sun. So that's our time for today. I really love to hear from you. I've disabled comments on these podcasts to avoid flame wars concerning truth. However, I would love to hear from you. I encourage you to go to the GnosticInsights.com website and find my comment form and then write to me that way. I always respond to your questions and comments. I would love to dialogue with any of you that would like to talk this material over or to ask me some questions that I can deal with in a future podcast. And if you find that these podcasts have been helpful in discovering the Gnosis within you, I'd encourage you to subscribe to Gnostic Insights and also to donate, if you have money that you can donate, to help keep this podcast on the air. Thank you for spending this time with me. Onward and upward, and God bless.